so this is episode seven. And we're all still in quarantine, lockdown, social distancing. I mean, let's be real. We're going to get out of quarantine and then immediately go back into it. <laughs> I know. Well, there's all these people that are pushing because, you know, part of it, I just think people can't. It's not real to them, so it's hard to see how this is important. But then there's the other part of it, which is you have all the people that are like, coronavirus is a conspiracy put out there by the liberals so that Trump doesn't get reelected or something like that. <laughs> it's the other thing I just, that I've been reading. And I, I'm just like, what? <laughs> yeah, um, there are people protesting coronavirus i guess and i'm like i this is the dumbest thing i've ever seen um i i told you that i did yoga before we started and my teacher was like try to cultivate compassion but like a lot of the people who are protesting are like reopen things i'm like people will get sick and die well not me i don't care and that attitude really bothers me. It's like when my students read something and they're like, I just couldn't relate to this. And I'm like, so because it's not exactly your life story, you're just going to dismiss it out of hand. Like as soon as a student says, I just couldn't relate to a reading, I'm like, you couldn't relate to a reading about a person, which you are also a person. Uh, <laughs> it's just, I, I'm not a patient person, but I try really hard to have patience. And as my yoga teacher said, cultivate compassion. But this sort of idea of, like, I don't care if other people are suffering because I'm not suffering in that way, I'm just like, stop, stop. No, it's just really interesting, too, how people are, how conveniently they'll change their argument around. So it's like, I've, I've seen this uh, gem on social media, it's like, well, if... You just stop the whole world to save one person's life. Would you do that? No. So why would you do this? It's just a percentage of the population. And these are the same people that would be like, well, I don't care that we could save the mother's life and uh, with an abortion. Abortion is bad because Jesus says so. So, Yeah, well, I have seen signs that say, my body, my choice to go to work. And I'm like, really? Yeah, right? It's like, oh, do you know what that comes from? <laughs> I just, uh, I can't handle it. It makes me happy that it, things like this make me happy in some sense that I don't have to go out in public very much and I can stay indoors with my cats and dog who I think have more sense. Although maybe not the dog because I have caught him eating out of the compost pit several times. Well, you know. Bless his heart. Yeah. There might be an eggshell in there, Jennifer. He's got to check it. <laughs> well, all I have to tell myself is that people are broken, and the only way to help people not be broken is be patient and take the time it, it requires to help them. Ugh. Patience is hard. So, you know, if people are okay with a bunch of people dying, maybe it's because something else in their life is broken. And maybe it takes helping those people confront those broken things to see that maybe they are taking the cruelest position in the world. But that's fine. Listen, I know that you're right, but that sounds hard, so let's talk about something terrifying instead. <laughs> <laughs> Well, welcome to All Things Terror. I'm Emily. I'm Jennifer. And this is season four of your more or less weekly podcast where we bring you terrifying tales from science, history, and true crime. This may not have been your thing growing up, but what was your favorite dinosaur? Oh, I was really into dinosaurs when I was in, like, first and second grade. Like, I knew, like, the Jurassic and Triassic and all those other periods. Like, I knew what order they went in and everything. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but there was, like, this one that, like, ate water plants and had sort of, like, a hammerhead shark face thing going on. I like that. 
There was also one that was like a T-Rex, but more T-Rex, and I like that a lot. Allosaurus, I think that one was called. I do have to do a shout out to my home state of Nevada. We have a state fossil called the Ichthyosaur, and there's a really good brewery called Great Basin Brewery, and they make an Ichthyosaur pale ale, which is called the Icky. And you can see these bumper stickers all around that say, it's not yucky, it's icky. Um, (laughs) So that's high on my list. So, um, I mean, dinosaurs are cool. And uh, science is cool. But I'm going to tell you some of the less cool things. Actually, they're still cool. (laughs) But it is, it is food for thought but in a very (laughs) different way i'm assuming (laughs) well just uh to put it out there i mean i was kind of a basic bitch of dinosaur lovers i really like the triceratops and i still think the triceratops is really cool it's pretty cool i mean it's cute but it's got some deadly horns so i like that combo i mean your entire head is a weapon (laughs) yeah I mean, like, I thought the stegosaurus was cool until I realized, like, the triceratops has a weapon head, and that's awesome. Did you ever watch Fantasia as a kid? Yes. Oh my god, the scene when the T-Rex kills the stegosaurus, that was, like, very upsetting to me. Like, I watched it, and I love Fantasia, but, like, they do this zoom-up of, like, the stegosaurus's face, like, panicking and like panting as the t-rex is about to eat him and i'm like oh my god it's very emotional so this is that's funny because like uh fantasia was one of my favorite movies growing up along with my um video version of the nutcracker ballet which is something i cling to until i actually got to see my first real ballet there you go that's the kind of kid I was. Sweet, sweet child Jennifer. So, I'm going to start with... Um, <laughs> I I love North Carolina. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, um, this is from a, a couple of articles that have been circulating for a bit, so... Uh, in 2018, there was an article published called, Are There Flying Dinosaurs in North Carolina? One one woman says she's seen three, seen them three times in Raleigh. And then there's another article that, I know, um, (laughs) I'm really trying to be very serious about this. Um, (laughs) there's another article, uh, that starts with flying <laughs> flying dinosaur sightings are on the rise in North Carolina. Did people this, forget what birds are? This is from 2020. What? So, um, first off, for anyone who really is a dinosaur buff, and also for all my scientist friends out there, stop calling them flying dinosaurs. Pterosaurs, which is what these articles are about, were never dinosaurs. Thank you very much. Mm. They're not dinosaurs. What are um, they? Just not dinosaurs. They they are reptilian, uh, but they don't have sort of the same genetic link. Wait, are these things dinosaurs? still alive? No. Okay. Well... We'll talk about that. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is like so, very twist and turns. So, um, the sightings are for pterosaurs, which, um, there's a most people would just call them pterodactyls, but you know, ter- pterosaurs aren't like a species. Um, there are many species of pterosaurs, right? And the pterodactyl, um, from what I understand, isn't the grouping of that. But essentially, flying bird reptile things that actually are more related to modern-day birds than they are to 
descendants of dinosaurs, but they are not a direct ancestor of birds. That was a whole lot of confusing stuff, but don't worry about it. That's okay. Um, as you said earlier, um, we're still in lockdown and it's eight o'clock and so someone just wolf howled. Are they doing that where you are? No, but uh, I can join. Yeah, no, there's this thing and it's super popular in Denver. So of course it's trickled down here. Uh, where people will go in their backyard and howl at 8 o'clock, which I'm sure is very fun, but there it goes again. Uh, my pets really do not like it. Like, they get sort of, like, on high alert, like there's an actual predator around, and it stresses them out. So, anyway, maybe that will be happening in the background. Okay, wait, so, ancient chickens people are like i'm seeing them yes but they're not chickens they're not bird relatives wait i thought you just said they were bird relatives no i said they have more in common genetically with modern day birds but are not a direct bird ancestor okay so what what can you give me a description either from north carolina or prehistoric knowledge I will get there, but I want to talk about these sightings first. Okay. So, <laughs> essentially, this started with this vet being like, well, I saw one of them there weird-looking bird things in the sky, <laughs> and I was like, well, I drew a picture of it, and I was like, it sure does look funny, basically. Yeah. Um, Must be a dinosaur. No other explanation. <laughs> well, the part of the... <laughs> so... You know, the sightings are just fun because it's sort of like when people say that they've seen Bigfoot, right? Mm-hmm. But what's more interesting is this guy named Jonathan Whitcomb who is really trying to sell this idea that uh, pterosaurs, which went extinct about 65 million years ago, still exist. And... As soon as I go through my pterosaur explanation a little bit later on, you'll see why that's so preposterous. Hmm. So, Jonathan Whitcomb, I just want to share this nugget before I jump into a pterosaur, uh, is a cryptozoologist. Do you know what a crypto cryptozoologist is? Um, yes, they are people who study animals that don't exist, mythical animals. Uh, like, uh, for your earlier example, Bigfoot, or the Mothman. Yes. It's, it's a branch of fake science. Yes. Where they try to prove things like unicorns and Bigfoot exist. So, um, just some fun details about Jonathan Whitcomb. Um, he is Utah-based. Okay. He is a creationist. Oh, no. And he is also an evolution denier. <laughs> and is a self-proclaimed scientist, even though he was not formally trained. <laughs> and, I mean, the hits you know, there are, coming. <laughs> there are a lot of scientists in history that weren't formally trained, that provided value, valuable work, but they were still learned. And they used the scientific method. I would not say that um, Jonathan Whitcomb fits a description. Well, that's like saying I'm a self-proclaimed Olympic athlete. Right. Sure, Emily. You've done... You've done, <laughs> you've done one exercise in your life. Like, sure. Yeah. There, There's a difference between being an autodidact and being full of shit. <laughs> and Jonathan Whitcomb, if you're listening... I think you're full of shit. Damn it, Jennifer. He's our number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's probably not. <laughs> Can you just imagine so, if somehow, for some reason, this podcast got, like, a, a group of, like, extremely religious people who are fans of it? Like, very, like, right-wing, I, I don't believe in evolution. And they're just like, I just love this podcast. That would be the weirdest thing ever. I mean, it would be. I'm, 
I'm open to whoever, and I'm open to lots of different ideas, but I cannot stand intolerance, so there's that. It would be, I mean, it would just be interesting to be like, what do these people see in us? Um, I mean, aside from our obvious charms and, uh, well, that's all we have, really, our obvious charms. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I've, I've, I'm exiting Bizarre World. Please, tell us about what our uh, learned friend saith. So, he's just interesting, but he's like, uh, he believes that these sightings that people have are sightings of non-extinct, uh, pterosaurs, and, uh, he, he also calls them flying dinosaurs, so, you know, that's just him showing his street cred right there as a real scientist. I mean, our, Um, our... Alligator's not exciting enough for this man? No, I guess not. <laughs> uh, so, it's just funny because, like, I'll, and I'll send you some links later, but <laughs> he offers this photograph of Civil War soldiers posing with a creature that looks like a giant fucking, like, dinosaur bird. I want to see this picture so bad. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I saw the pic, I didn't want to get too distracted, and I was like, I'm not gonna vet this picture right now, because there's a much bigger story to tell here, (laughs) um, about Jonathan Whitcomb's pseudoscience, but, um, I love this woman's description of the petrosaur that she saw, this Mm. is the description that she gave of this, uh, creature that she saw, it had a long tail, with a diamond-shaped bulb on it. What? It was dark brown. It had a weird crest, and she drew a picture of it. That was the sighting. Um. So. Okay. All right. Some something I want to say about North Carolina is that, um, we have a fuck ton of herons. Yeah. And I'm gonna send you also at some point a link about the great blue heron and if you look at it flying like it very much reasonably looks like a flying dinosaur and it's a big fucking bird yeah you know well i've heard with mothman people saying that cranes people could be seeing cranes at night and being like what the hell because they're big and weird looking too that's true they are kind of creepy also like Um, Birds are creepy all the time. <laughs> like, they just are perfectly still and then they, like, explode. Like, brush birds that can fly are absolutely terrifying. And <laughs> pheasants are weird. Like, I can see... I'm actually coming around more and more and being more surprised that we don't constantly have, like, cryptozoologists being like, this is a weird animal because it scared me and it's a bird. I... <laughs> Birds actually, make I would, me sad that I don't trust them. That would actually be very, like, if cryptozoology was just a bunch of people that got together and talked about why they think an animal is creepy, <laughs> like, that would be totally legit to me. I'm okay with that. But I, I have a lot of uh, strong feelings about a lot of animals. <laughs> so back to the pterosaur. So the pterosaur lived um about... Uh, well, they lived through through the Mesozoic, and for those of you who aren't 100% clear on the Mesozoic, we're talking between the late Triassic to the end of the Cretaceous, and, um, the pterosaur, like, their longevity in this earth lasted for about 160 years. Hmm. Um, now, pterosaur isn't one fucking flying animal thing, it, there are many different types and uh the species is just like the different species are crazy like they had a lot of genetic variety um they came in all kinds of different sizes and shape the smallest species um the wingspan is about 10 inches and the largest species their wingspan measured up to 36 feet oh my god uh for some of those who want some size perspective there um the way it was described was that should that had been standing, it would be the, you know, 
the size of a fucking giraffe. Oh my god, that really creeped me out for some reason. I don't want to see a giant bird. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, uh, when Dr. Mr. Science Man, cryptozoologist, his, his eminence, <laughs> his, his eminence believes in uh, non-extinct pterosaurs would it he seems to be implying to me as a a very specific species of this like very um rich diversified animal type uh is the lone survivor and it wasn't the large ones but funny enough it seemed that the large ones tend to have dominated towards the end of their uh, pterosaur rain. So, seems like when we're dealing with these sightings, the whatever species survived uh, and are non-extinct, he, he is indicating are a normal bird-sized species of pterosaur. Sure, because they're definitely not just a bird. Right. <laughs> so... Definitely not. No. Um, so, thing, just some fun stuff about it. Like, uh, pterosaurs have, like, these amazing adaptations over the 160 years. They just had a lot of variety and interesting, like, uh, like, interesting develop, uh, interesting developments within species. Like I said, there's a lot of variety. But, uh, some general things about them. Uh, they were, <laughs> a lot of times, uh, they were, uh, well, I'm going to back up. This is what makes them scary. They had big fucking mouths. Like, I'm trying to find a way to, to put this in perspective, but their mouths were fucking huge. Like, their heads tended to be bigger than their bodies. What? And in these giant fucking heads, they had, like, these equally giant fucking teeth. And I was reading this article in Scientific America, and I love this, where they just basically called them flying jaws of death. Oh, my because God. Because of how disproportionately, like, sized the big portion of their face was. I am basically picturing, like, a giraffe-sized rubber chicken that's brown and has shark teeth inside of its head. Well, that's most mostly just head. Oh, oh, that's so weird. Um, well, and they're they're interesting too, cause like you know, there's all these rules about like how flying things are able to fly, right? And one of the interesting um, developments in this creature is like they had a low density, but like low density bones, but like really strong bones. So their bones were like big, strong could break your face in or something like that, but they were mostly hollow. So that's how, like, these big-ass birds... Yeah. Well, fake birds, non these non-bird birds were able to take flight. Now, there is some conversation about whether or not all of them did actually fly or if they were more, like, gliders, but the, the conceptually, like, given all the rules of flight, these things could fly. The, Despite their size. The deeper you get into this, the more it just feels like a like six-year-old kid is making up a new dinosaur and like telling me things about it. And I'm just like, okay, sure. This is wild. And it was also the color pink. And it liked birthday cake. Right? <laughs> and its name is Sarah, or sometimes Tim. <laughs> um, They did like birthday cake, but they mostly ate fish and insects. And they were also scavengers and would pick at dead dinosaurs. Oh, my Because God. we're in the Mesozoic, so dinosaurs still lived in that time, and we also had some mammals living in that time, too. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and you want to know how they know what they ate? They looked at, like, teeth, teeth scratches and, like, the fossils, which is insane to me. Man, I am just uh, not that detail-driven. <laughs> I'm just like, man, I can't wait until 
science gets to the point where you're not like, well, I need to go look at these scratches inside this thing's mouth because my first instinct was, yes, but what was their dental hygiene in the past? <laughs> I don't think the petrosaur had a toothbrush, but um, OCD brain kicking in there. So anyways, um, these things were really fucking scary and like they were really good predators, you know, um, people always like, yeah, T-Rex, like that's the apex predator, but these guys were pretty dominant, you know, and you know, if you're like a lower creature in the order, like you have to worry about like one giant dinosaur thing eating you from the ground, but then also you got to like watch your back. Because who knows what's in the skies. Oh no, it's some type of pterosaur and it's got a head that's bigger than the rest of its body and it's going to eat my face open. I mean, it's the same with cats. People are all like, tigers and lions, so cool. Apex predators. And I'm like, have you seen a house cat? They have murder in their eyes all the time. If you're smaller than a house cat, you are dead to them. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so... Um, so, pterosaurs are scary, and also really cool. Yeah, also they don't seem like sneaky, subtle animals, so, like, I feel like if they were around still, they'd be, like, squawking and, like, ripping hawks out of flight midair and just, like, biting them in half. They don't seem like animals that could hide very well. Uh, all of this just made me think about, like, a... One of them just be like, hey, you, motherfucker, motherfucker, hey, come here, come here, come mm -hmm. here, you know? Yeah, pretty much. But, like, to a fish. Be like, what, you looking over here? Fucking eat you. <laughs> so, why doesn't the pterosaur exist anymore? Hmm, because the earth got too hot. I don't know. That was just a wild guess. Well, this is why our cryptozoologist, I think, maybe needs to take some time to study history. The Cretaceous-Paleogene extinction event happened. It was a mass extinction of about three-fourths of the plant and animal life. And <laughs> the story of this is even crazy to me. So for a long time, basically before the 1980s, um, People didn't really know why the why this era ended. Like there was a lot of theories and <laughs> the theories were kind of I mean now we know they're kind of crazy, but they went from like they went across the board. So like there were things like disease was the theory. Or there was too many mammals preying on dinosaur eggs and eating away at the population. That is a um, bold one. There was... <laughs> there was one where... <laughs> this one just cracks me up. <laughs> I'm just going to quote this from the book. Suicidal psychoses... That's not ex that's not expanded on at all. What? So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like where the dinosaurs just running around like I don't want to live anymore and then they <laughs> jumped into the ocean. I don't I'm not sure. I know. They're just like, "Ugh, god, what's the point?" So like, I know Emily thought I was just going to sit here and make fun of like a cryptozoologist and talk about like a scary non-bird bird dinosaur that's also not a dinosaur. But um, I love reading about mass extinctions, and there's a book called The Ends of the World by Peter Brannon, and I'm going to talk uh, a little bit about this extinction event, because it's fucking crazy. And also, he just ended this sentence about suicidal psychoses without addressing it at all, so I love it. Oh my gosh, um, I really did not think that this episode would involve a discussion of dinosaurs who are desperately in need of a suicide hotline. Right. <laughs> it's okay, dinosaurs. You just need to get on the right medication and have the right support system in place. Nothing is permanent, dinosaurs. Everything's temporary. So this guy and his 
dad published a book called extra or a book a paper called extraterrestrial cause for the cretaceous <gasps> what? Uh, tertiary extinction is this gonna go in like casual use of the word extraterrestrial or like scientific use of the word extraterrestrial scientific oh my gosh i was like what jennifer where are you taking me <laughs> okay so so like a meteor yes um like a meteor not of this earth not meaning. an et so in 1980 uh this was published by walter alvarez who was a geologist and his father louise who was a nobel prize winning physicist huh and this theory that they put out in this paper just was so controversial and sent a shock through the scientific community it's fucking like the story is nuts so essentially um and undid like a whole bunch of work before then about what happened during this time period so basically they found evidence in you know in the rock and the record of this world that pointed to essentially an apocalypse that ended ended this time period. Yeah. So, uh, what was it? Well, here is the quick rundown, and I'll get into details about it. So, you were dead on. It was a meteorite. It was the largest asteroid known to hit any planet within the solar uh, solar system um, that created uh, a bunch of different things to happen. So some climate change, acidification of the ocean, and at the same time, um, and this is also part of a current controversy with this, where the was the largest volcanic eruption known to have happened. Um, and I think this was called the Declan Traps, but basically, this volcanic eruption was basically two miles deep oh lava gosh. and, like, the size of India. Oh my god. Uh, also, you said acidification of the ocean, and that sounds pretty bad. Yep. We're, we're gonna talk about this. <laughs> so, um, the short version of it is... Well, I, I want to back up. So, I love this. Like, so many people got pissed about this theory. Like, they were pissed. Like, they're like, okay, guys, listen to me. Asteroid did it. And everyone in the scientific community, community was like, boo. It's like that <laughs> gif of the kids that are rapping. And there's, like, one guy with glasses just staring at the camera. And everyone around him is, like, losing their minds. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. <laughs> so, it's great. I just want to take the opportunity to talk about, like, I just want to share, like, some great science shit talking. Like, I fucking love it. So, I'm going to quote from this book. Um, so, one, <laughs> one of the things it said is, like, reaction to the idea that the dinosaurs were killed by space rocks ranged from justified scientific skepticism. So, we believe Okay, good. Yeah. To puzzlingly uninformed proclamations. Whoa. Like that handed down by the New York Times editorial board, which scoffed, astronomers should leave to astrologers the task of seeking the cause of earthly events in the stars. <sighs> to which Walter Alvarez replied in a letter to the editor, may we suggest it might be best if the editors left to scientists the task of adjudicating scientific questions oh my job <laughs> so much science burn happening yeah this is <laughs> this is some real uh like sass from scientists so it's funny because like basically this became a very political conversation and a lot of their their theory was based off of um this weird iridium layer and it just scientists were not 
satisfied with the iridium layer being layer being enough proof and like that's fair like yeah. that's what scientists do they're like okay but what else can you tell me yeah we need a so, little more uh <laughs> so this is great he starts ta- like um Luis alvarez is talking about this one rival that he has that's causing a lot of the uh, antagonism that he experienced over this theory. And what he says about this is that he goes, I thought he'd been knocked out of the ball game and had just disappeared because nobody invites him to conferences anymore. Oh my god! In the same interview, the elder Alvarez famously scoffed, I don't like to say bad things about paleontologists, but they're really not very good scientists. They're more like stamp collectors. Oh my god. Seriously, the science burns. I mean, I feel like we've talked about history being full of mean girls, and now I'm just thinking science is also basically just mean girls. Mean girls. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I just wanted to share those, uh, those, because I thought it was really funny. So, um, let's, let's talk about this meteor, uh, that hit the world. So, um, I'm gonna quote from this book again to talk about the size, because, uh, Uh, Brandon just does a really great job in these descriptions, but he goes, so somebody is talking about the size of the rock. It's a rock uh, that was traveling about 20 to 40 kilometers per second. Um, It was anywhere between 10 to 14 kilometers wide, and it just broke through um, the atmosphere with no problems heading straight towards, essentially, the ocean. Mm. So, um, Brandon sums this up as, what they mean is that a rock larger than Mount Everest hit planet Earth, traveling 20 times faster than a bullet. (gasps) This is so fast, it would have uh, traversed the distance from the cruising altitude of a 747 to the ground in 0.03 seconds. The asteroid itself was so large that even at the moment of impact, the top of it might as well still towered more than a mile above, wait for it, above the cruising altitude of a 747. Wow. This is like, the dimensions of this are such that if it was in a movie about an asteroid threatening Earth, I would not believe it. (laughs) You mean Armageddon? Yes, or the other one, which I preferred at the time, Deep Impact. And I have not rewatched, <laughs> but I definitely want to. Actually, you know what you and I should watch uh, via long distance? We should watch, uh, what is the one with Pierce Brosnan and the volcano? It's so bad. It volcano? It might be. Because there's two. There's like Dante's... Dante's Peak... peak. I'm going to Google Pierce Brosnan Volcano Movie. Watch it be Volcano. I hope it is. It's Dante's Peak. Ah, uh, god damn it. That's the one that we're going to be watching. Well, they're both they're both bad, but yes. Yeah. Okay. I also in case anyone didn't know this, I'm obsessed with volcanoes. You so. have have you done You have I've done, done a couple a, of volcanoes. Yeah, yes. you've done a volcano episode. I've done I couldn't remember if that was one that was a a lost episode or not. I I think I've mentioned volcanoes at this point. Like, episodes featuring some iteration of a volcano storm story at least two or three times now. Yeah, well, that's going to be our, our party, is watching volcano <laughs> movies that are really bad. <laughs> I, I, I'm totally down for it. I actually rewatched Volcano not too long ago. Not ashamed to say it. Uh, I mean, it's really not realistic, but it's okay. Yeah, I remember Dante's Peak being not realistic, but also melodramatic on top of that. My favorite. Yeah. So anyways, back to this. So basically, (laughs) this giant mountain 
crashed into Earth. And when it hit the Earth, this this is just mind-blowing to me. So, you know, the reason why we're just not constantly getting, like, battered by space rocks is because we have the atmosphere and they burn up in the atmosphere, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, this thing ripped a hole through the atmosphere. You know what? It's just sort of like, you know, if, you know, you, you step on something that just, like, makes you go, ooh, a little bit, you know? That's what it must have been like when this rock went through the atmosphere. It's like, ooh, well, that was uncomfortable for less than a second. Yeah. And then it just kept going. This is mind-blowing, the, the atmosphere. So is it just that the atmosphere wasn't quite seasoned like a well-seasoned cast iron skillet and no, that's this thing why was it was unable. too big and too fast too big and too fast huh okay too... it was fast and furious if you will <laughs> i will <laughs> <laughs> uh, i hate myself <laughs> so anyways, um fast and furious the mesozoic edition uh Pre- I guess that would be Fast and Furious Zero. Pre-Fast, pre-Furious. <laughs> it literally ripped through the atmosphere. So the atmosphere at this point is like, ah, you know, trying to heal itself. And in in the process, like, this thing collides with Earth and is hitting, um, possibly, it, it seems like it hit mostly water. And it hits so hard and so immediately that it shoots chunks of earth, actual, you know, Jesus, to land, yeah, back through the air, through the atmosphere, so it doesn't burn up into space. <laughs> Essentially, what on earth? yes, or what so, not on earth, I guess. So, um, that's just how bananas this impact was. So, uh, I love that. Like, my mind is still just trying to I mean, I'm, grasp at the gravity of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm picturing, like, a wet... Or the lack of gravity. ...dirt clod floating in space, and it's, it's really hard to... <laughs> this is a massive cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Of course, like, the scientific community, of course, is like, but where's the crater? If it happened, where is it? I don't know. You don't know. We don't know. Like, that's how scientists talk when they're being petty to me. Right. Well, yeah, because they're mean girls now. So you agree. So, you think you're really smart, then. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm probably not that smart, but... um, <laughs> So... The, just keep this in mind as we're going through this story, because we're gonna we're gonna get to the missing crater part. So, anyways, the the this one guy, this other scientist uh, involved in this conversation, uh, believes that pretty much on the day of the impact of this asteroid, because he he you know he buys into this. He's like, yes, I believe this. Uh, he thinks that a fuck ton of species on Earth died within that same day. Yeah, I mean, anything that lived by a shoreline, I should imagine. So, it's not even that. Like, so remember, bigger than Mount Everest, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about all the reasons why it was so cataclysmic. Like, it's insane how big this impact was but he's basically so you know when we hear about extinctions we're like extinctions mass extinctions take a long time because typically they do but in this instance it was like immediate death is what he's putting out there so um so uh what happens is so you have this rock coming in boom Hits the earth, smashes anything that's there. Clearly it's going to smash anything that's there. Yeah. But also, um, it, the, it also is going to put a bunch of uh, shit in the fucking air, right? And uh, one of the things that it could have put in the air, of course, um, was just like 
a blizzard, they describe a blizzard of meteorites, so we have additional meteorites coming in from this impact. Yeah, well, um, even, like, reading about, like, Mount St. Helens and, like, the fallout from that explosion, um, like, just all the particles in the air and stuff. Yeah, so it would kick up all this stuff. Yeah. And they believe that in about an hour, like, Earth was just, Earth was just, like, fucking covered in shit. And one of the things that they say is, like, when this impact happened, so, like, they think the sky turned red. Oh, my God. And it would have gotten, it would have been extremely hot, and then it just would have gotten hotter and hotter and hotter. So, basically... Like, uh, like all artist depictions of hell. <laughs> right. So, what... I mean, the, the estimated projection is that um, the Earth would have experienced um, 10 kilowatts per square meter of energy. So, what that means is, like, the scientist was saying that he could get about 7 kilowatts per square meteor at a broil. So this is this is more than a broiling, right? This is like he says it's like twenty minutes of broiling. <laughs> Whoa. And any animal that couldn't find a way to like hide or protect itself yeah. would have just like roasted to death. Ooh. And the animals that did survive were animals that could basically like burrow, burrow or hide. Okay. Right. And this interestingly included birds because, like, we think, like, birds are, like, you know, flying around in the air, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, like, obviously a bunch of mammals that survived were the ones that could bur burrow. But birds, actually, um, our birds are descendants of, like, these types of water birds. And those birds... Um, you know, still had, like, the burrowing in nesting by the water mm. behavior in them. So, some of those birds probably burrowed. That's what they think. That's, Again, don't, uh, don't trust birds. Right, don't trust birds. So, <laughs> also I'm picturing cockroaches, because those things can get, like, flat as a piece of paper. Oh my gosh, yes. Assholes. And they can, they just live every, anywhere and everywhere. I know. They can, so, I swear to God, they could eat, like, dust and just look at you with their antenna and be like I'll never leave so then the other thing that happens is like first off a lot of fucking heat and rain of additional rock and particle in the air Ugh. but then poor dinosaurs there, there's a seismic activity and what would have been hap they so they believe that the magnitude would have been about on the scale of a 12 Ugh. but that actually doesn't exist right. like in our world <laughs> Because um, the uh, elasticity of the Earth's crust just can't handle that much energy. It just That's not how it works. Yeah, so, if a 12 happened, we wouldn't be here to record it as a 12. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens as a result of, you know, the seismic activity, of course, is a fuck ton of, of gigantic landslides. So, you know, you have uh, these landslides taking out species and plant life and things too and then there is what they call the air blast so basically this is just think of it as a fucking sonic boom yeah <laughs> right in your ear parts um and that also can obliterate like buildings and structures and plant life and that kind of stuff so all of these things cause a bunch of issues and uh, you know, this is just, you know, this is just tearing up the world. So, on top of all of this, we're not we're not even out of like the shitty things that could happen. Is that, <laughs> um, so the asteroid sent up a bunch of gypsum aerosol into the air. Oh, that's not good. Right, and that's where we start seeing some of the acidification of of oceans as well. Uh, so 
the aerosols are actually sun blocking as well. So this impact was big enough to send these aerosols into the stratosphere and potentially dim the light reaching the surface of the planet for uh, several months. So essentially and nuclear winter. Nuclear winter, yes. So it would have been, a, it, it could have been bad enough to um, have basically undermined photosynthesis, uh, photosynthesis and that would explain like a lot of the marine life that actually died, not just the acidification of the ocean, because there's still creatures that can live in that, but like if the plankton dies, everything fucking dies, yeah. you know? So, uh, and what happens as well is when you have all the stuff and the air and it's blocking the sun from hitting the surface, you get winter. And there are, there's a lot of evidence in, like, why the deciduous trees survived, or, like, a bunch of them survived that, and it's, you know, they could withstand the cold yeah. better than the other ones. And <laughs> I, I love this sentence, so I'm quoting from this book again. For our shrew-like ancestors that lived through this desolation, enduring blood-red skies, cauterizing winds and the cruel, endless winter that followed, and watching as the last few giants lurched to their deaths, it would have only been natural to think that this truly was the end of the world. I mean, yeah. I just feel like I, I just feel like I opened up a Russian novel there. Yeah. I keep thinking about the landslide idea. Like, that's something I hadn't considered before, but that... That's really interesting. And that you could have, I would imagine you'd be able to see evidence of landslides in the fossil record. Yes. And they do talk about that pretty extensively. Like, I'm giving you guys highlights, but um, please read this book. It's really good. Like, it's not, uh, it doesn't, it, it's definitely made for the common reader. Yeah. So, so back to, but what about the crater? Where's the crater? Well, we know where the crater is now. The crater, and I'm going to say this two different ways because uh, this is in Mexico. Mm. So there it is either. <laughs> I can't, I can't even say it now. Um, Chicxulub crater or the Chicxulub crater but this is basically this it's so great because the center of this crater is essentially right next to uh Shiksalub, the town and this is in the you know the yucatan peninsula but they had discovered that this space was like a giant fucking crater yeah and it is at this point agreed upon that this is where that mountain-sized asteroid hit our planet interesting and killed a bunch of species like within a day yeah i did not know that mexico so cool i know they have all kinds of great stuff in mexico they do um so that is the cretaceous paleogene extinction event that was a now, wild ride there is still a lot of, um, there are some people that still believe that it was just a massive amount of volcanic eruptions that caused this extinction event, but this is not the widely held belief in the general consensus is that an asteroid killed all these motherfuckers a long time ago. Yeah, but wouldn't now, an asteroid also, couldn't that trigger volcanic exactly if you have all this seismic activity and landslides and all this other business like yes that could interrupt a lot of stuff and create you know a shit ton of volcanic eruptions it's not like they just got together and decided to all erupt at the same week or something (laughs) right and then you know drowned india in two miles of lava right 
sorry, two miles deep of lava, not two miles wide. Oh, I don't like that so, at all. Ugh. Um, so that, that is called the Declan Traps, and anyone who's curious about it can read about that theory. I'm just not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, because, like, okay, I know, I love volcanoes, but, like, yes, mass extinction by a shit ton of insane uh, volcanic eruptions, totally terrifying. Yeah. What's more terrifying is instant death from an asteroid bigger than a gigantic mountain. Uh, what's even more <laughs> terrifying is surviving long enough to see the sky turn red as winter descends. Yes, like <laughs> the like just everything about what happened in that, like the red sky and then like the dimmed earth and then just fucking like endless winter, I'd be like this this is some sort of post-apocalyptic novel that I'm reading about right I now. I mean, it is Her. absolutely terrifying. And so, needless to say, the pterosaur <laughs> was not a <laughs> burrowing creature, and it was, while it had many sizes, the smallest size was still kind of big, and uh, it has no living ancestors today. Oh my gosh. That is, that is, a, that is a creature that has been has been lost, you know, to the Cretaceous Paleogene extinction event. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I think it's dead. So that is my threefold story of terror, um, starting with big scary dinosaur thing that's not a dinosaur. Um <laughs> really hilarious science burns and scientific controversy, but terrifying asteroid. And third, cryptozoologist. Like, what the fuck, dude? Wow, that was... I would slow clap, but I feel like Clint would be like, that's too loud. That was incredible and terrifying on several levels. Um, and I have to go to bed to wake up early, and I'm going to be falling asleep with the image of a blood-red sky. And volcanoes just flipping out. This is like the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I mean, it's not Mordor. It can't be. <laughs> like, Mordor can't hold a candle to this shit. It's, yeah, it's like many Mordors. And that's... Sorry, Sauron, but you just don't take the cake on this one. Yeah, wow. Well... Eat it, Sauron. And while you're all out there, if you're worried about people not taking our current situation very seriously, um, which is scary, mm -hmm. and these are uh, uncomfortable political times, take comfort in knowing that at any point... Something bigger than Mount Everest can just <laughs> fix it all for you in a day. <laughs> oh my god. And on that note. <laughs> Goodbye forever. Goodbye forever. <laughs>